0: So, Gormley, hi Luke, how are you? You were sick this week, huh? Well, I wasn't sick like vomiting profusely. I was wiped out so much because I so I just became the director yeah, of evangelization, which means that I have two employees instead of just direct reports, and I have been trying to learn as much as I can. And I, I shared this before, but. With leadership on one side, but also, like, the minutiae of management stuff that are that is relevant to our people. And so I realize, like, things like the retirement package and all this stuff. There's only, like, there's only about six people on our staff. And most of the people on staff are sole breadwinners or main breadwinners. There's only about six people that have retirement accounts set up. And that mm. means that no, I mean, there's an automatic pension plan. But mm-hmm. to be honest, I would rather them pay for my 403b than a pension plan. Sure. And so I started looking at all this stuff and I'm like yeah, and I called the archdiocese and they don't even know how to do it. <laughs> oh, typical. Yeah, and the guys like, the guy that's the head of HR was like, "I don't I don't I'm not too knowledgeable about this stuff." I even wrote that quote down just because it was so unbelievable. And then I <laughs> went and he rec-
1: Isn't this what you're paid
0: for? Yeah. Exactly. Or Benefits. Can we he find those answers? Benefits. Kind of a big deal. Oh, don't worry. I've been on the archdiocesan website. Three of the links are dead. Three of the links <laughs> are dead. Out of the 10 The church links, is fine, everyone. The church is fine. The church is fine. Taking care of her employees. So, anywho, I mean, it's not that big a deal. He recommended a woman who um, has helped a lot I of diocesan Always dioces- do. <laughs> helped a lot of diocesan uh people get their stuff going so i called her and, and she's like well i can't really help you unless you set up a private account and i go no no no, i don't want you to pick stuff for me i just want you to kind of walk me through the process she's like oh oh and then this one was like insanely helpful so i wrote everything down this is like two months ago or a, this is when i first started talking about fire i wrote everything down to help myself and other coworkers get the stuff going and um other coworkers have started their 403Ps and I still haven't. I'm hemming and hawing because I'm so scared to get rid of that money in a down market, but it's always going to be an up or a down market. So just go, go, go. So,
1: yeah, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Greed wins. <laughs> Coffee's for closers. <laughs> Coffee. Visualize is... what you want and commit to it on a daily basis. Always be brick closing. By
0: brick. So, yeah. So that, uh, and then I hung oh. out with some lawyers and then um, uh, that was my life. I had to pay a lot of money to fly home early from Indianapolis. Stop doing this to yourself. What? You do this. Like every a...
1: other trip, you're paying more to fly home early.
0: No, 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 no. Oh, that was last year. That was last year. This year. Oh, I'm
1: sorry. I'm sorry. No, that no, was uh, seven months ago. Not, not anymore.
0: Yeah, right. Not anymore because I realized, holy crap, I'm, I'm, I was spending airline miles. Yeah, and money. Uh yeah, but it was like fifteen dollars, twenty dollars. No, it was not fifteen or twenty dollars. N- most it was of the time, fifty it was. dollars. Uh, no, most of the time it was yeah okay yeah maybe you're right. But the whole idea was look who knows I'm making, you baby girl. I'm making money, hand over fist. What do I get? What's fifty dollars, man?
1: I'm a I'm a business man.
0: <laughs> but no, so uh, I, I had to come home early so that I could hang out with some lawyer friends of mine. Uh... Hey, yeah, so this is a funny thing. I left right after my talk. My talk ended at three. It was an hour trip to the airport, an hour and ten minutes. Roll up, and my flight leaves at five. So I'm cutting it pretty close, way too close for me typically. So I go in. Airport's fine. I'm right through security, all that stuff, and then my flight's delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. Instead of getting home at six thirty, I get home at ten thirty p.m. and it was miserable. And I wasted a bunch of money doing that. But my other flight was going to get me home in the morning. So what can you do? What's a girl to do? Uh,
1: hire a person to like to organize as part of their life because they don't have time and they're not very good at it. What do you? Ta- I'm good at it. I uh, no, you are not. Yeah, I am. You like to think that you are. I, I'm good at it. I had no, to buy a are- ticket home because I had to hang out with lawyers. Listen, I love you. I you. Like, you know that I love you. You know that you're my special thing. You know that you are my first wife. <laughs> damn straight. I've known a longer! <laughs> but, I think, like, you're not necessarily the best at, like, optimizing your schedule. False. I disagree. I
0: disagree. And I understand what? where you're coming from. <laughs> but... <laughs> Now, I will tell you this much. I overcommit, but I overcommit not out of a lack of optimizing my schedule, but out of a sheer lack of fear that one day I'm going to wake up and have too much month at the end of my money, and I will be terrified that I can't provide for my family. It's stupid. I have tons of money. In, I have four, four, four or five months worth of expenses saved. So I have, if I were to lose my job tomorrow, we would be four months A-OK. Okay. So I have breathing room, but I still have an anxiety that I that something bad is going to happen and I won't be able to do what I need to do. Now, when it comes to the yeah, flying, but... all of my tickets are booked. All of the stuff that I have are booked. That's just the only the, – I will say this. My main problem uh, is when I start to feel overwhelmed, I kind of drop off the face of the earth for people who are trying to communicate with me. There's a guy out in – Oh man, he just texted me today when I was going to a gig and he said, Are we still on? And uh, I'm trying to put this together. And I was like, Whoa, 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 whoa. What today? What? Oh no. Months from now or a month from now. (laughs) But I literally pan. I do need a person to help me say yes and no and deal with the
1: price stuff. That's a big deal for me. Well, that, no, but like that, that is what I mean by by optimizing your schedule being able to say okay so here are the rules that i live by i'm gonna travel on these days like how many times have have like i mean you come out here and i totally understand i mean we have a blast but then you're like you're always out here about like a day late day later than you probably like you know really um need to like i'm a need to be but then when we're like doing like A live podcast, you're almost there like too late and then you leave too early.
0: What are you talking about? A
1: day too late? I've never a day. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. No, 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 not not a day too late. Like, like you stay, like, so, like, think about how many times you've actually on the left when you've, like, you've done this twice now. And I'm not mad at you about this. I'm I'm just, I'm just trying to, uh, I'm just, iron sharpens iron, my friend. (laughs) Sharpen Um, away, baby boy. Like, how many times have you come out here? And then bought an earlier plane ticket home. Okay. So I will say, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. And then try to think about the the amount of times that like um, that um you've almost been in and out too much, like in San Diego, or that's the only example that's that's come to mind. So that's so 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 this like I um, could be wrong, but I'm saying if you had a person who could kind of spread that out and say, we can't do this here, but, you know, you can do it here. So here's – it's like that terms of that like optimizing your schedule so it's not just like I'm reacting to everything that is coming in. I see what you're saying. That's, I like, see That's what, what, what I think optimize because, you know, like because it's really all of the same thing. It's just too heavy one way or the other. And then if you're like optimizing, it's kind of – it really should be like you know a more of a planned out smooth ride, which I will say it's not always that. Anyway, sorry. Go on. No, like, no, Just no. like in general, like, like it's, 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 you know, like it's hard to do anything that is perfect. Right, right, right. No,
0: my biggest thing is I need to get out and come back in the tightest schedule possible because I don't want to have to take vacation days from work. And so if I'm doing a thing in San Diego that starts at 7 PM, I'm not going to get out there the day before or the morning of. Now, if if they're nervous that there's flight issues, then, yeah, maybe, you know, I'll do that. And then I'm going to leave at 6 a.m. the next day because I have to be home because I have. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, no. no. And and I'm not trying to like I'm just. um,
0: But that was different because I booked another event on the other side of the country. Yeah. That I had to fly to. But no, no, no. You're right. I I do. I do buy. I did last year often. Buy early tickets home, but that is less optimization and more because I feel so guilty leaving my wife alone with kids.
1: No, but while I'm drinking beer
0: with young adults.
1: But I think if you're optimizing stuff, you can find a thing that works. Like I, let's. I've I have found like when I when I sculpt my schedule that I say so. Like here's what I do. Oh, with work, I'm about to travel a bunch uh, for work. Like you know, I'll probably when I'm at my peak, which I won't be there quite um, yet. I'll be traveling 28 weeks a year now. Some of that is local, probably about like a third. Um, so there won't be, I won't always be on a plane, but you know, and probably, so really only about like 25%, I'll be able to come home that night. But for the most part, I'll be in like, uh, you know, hotels and stuff. But like how I'm doing it, is that on, is that on, um, on Monday is, is the day that I work on either, uh, catch up stuff, uh, at, or I am work on, strategy stuff, uh, Tuesday through Thursday is when I do the bulk of my traveling. And then I play catch up on Fridays. And then I have an understanding with work that probably about once a month or so I'm going to have to be gone for at least two days to go and do pod pod podcast stuff, but I'm going to do my best to make sure it fits into into like, you know, that into like a window and or do my donor visits while I'm out as well. If I can, at least like at least one or two or just um, drop off gifts that are like um, donors that are a- around there. And so that's what I mean. That's that's what I like. Can is is it possible to like have a thing where you could say, here's how long a catching foxes event is. Here's how long my like missions are. Here's when I can um, do that. Here are the days. So I don't I will always record on like I don't ever do a thing that's on a Monday night because we have to podcast that night. And it just, that's just the way it is. So if there's a thing that I really want to do, but I've got a podcast that night, I'm sorry. This is the priority that night. Yes, no. No, no, no. I would say. Mm,
0: so the way my schedule works is I, my travel is different from my full time job. My travel is added on to my full-time job. So you got yeah, 40, sure, 50 sure. hours a week that I have to do in the office. And then on top of that, I do the travel thing. And then on top of that, we do our catching foxes thing. And then on top of that, we record uh, catching foxes travel. On top of that, we do catching fox foxes podcast plus editing, which is twice as long as any show. So for every hour, it's like two hours of editing. And then, Every knee shall bow. So the way I've arranged it is typically Monday morning at 6 a.m. my time, I record every knee shall bow and then I get ready and go to work. And then I come home, do all my stuff. And then at night I record catching foxes with you Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursday nights. Not only do I have a full day of work, but then I have my classes, inclusion, alpha, and adult confirmation. That'll take me all the way to December. So, In terms of optimizing my time, Fridays to Sundays are when I travel. I try to be back on Sunday morning because I teach RCIA after the 9 a.m. mass. And at some point in that, I have to be a husband and a father. So one of the things that I do in order to minimize the craziness of that schedule is whenever I buy the plane tickets to make the people at the event what they tell me my flight needs to be. And then after I get to the event and they finally give me, let's say, a schedule of talks, and my last talk is two, they told me the event lasts till six, and I have to prepare three talks, and the third talk is a 15-minute thing at two to 2.15, and I I have the whole rest of the time, then I'll pull out my phone and be like, look, there's an, a flight that leaves instead of at 9.30 p.m. and getting me in at midnight, there's a flight that leaves at 7 p.m. gets me in at, you know, whatever. So... I'll just buy that ticket and come home early because I know the other thing is I know that I'm going to be exhausted if I don't – if I can't try to squeeze out every time I can. And sometimes literally, Luke, the only time I sleep is on a plane. So uh, I'm going to Vancouver. I leave Vancouver at 1 a.m. and fly – and I get home at like 5 a.m. and then I drive straight to work. So – My idea of life optimization is sometimes because I'm on a plane so late at night, I get so sick the next day when I'm at work that I have to take a half day. Mm -hmm. And by take a half day, I mean I go home for half the day and sit in in front of my computer and answer emails. Right. So it's a lot different than just
1: a kooky gomer not being able to nail down. Yeah, but I mean, but like. At the same time, like, when you took the job over at St. Anthony of Padua again, like, um, when you went back there, it was understood, like, you uh, you know, you told them, hey, I can't do this unless I can do these speaking gigs, right? Yeah. So, like, can you, I mean. So that's why I often
0: will leave on a Friday and I don't get penalized for it. But if I'm leaving on a Wednesday evening and I'm missing all day Thursday, all day Friday, and then RCIA on a Sunday. That's not – then that becomes – even if I'm active with email, and and I'll be honest, like there are some times when 80% of my job is literally email and Slack, right? It's like getting people information that they need to make a decision that has nothing to do with me producing content. But the other part of my job that's not replaceable, like summertime, it's mostly emails and schedules and stuff like that. But then it becomes I have to have face-to-face meetings with people. I interview everyone for RCIA and uh, you know all the sacraments for adults. And then I have um, the classes that I teach. And now I'm building a small little army of people that can help me teach classes and fill in the gaps. But the reality is my um, – they do let me travel without taking vacation days as long as it's not excessive. And my, my stewardship over that is I don't want it to be excessive. Like how do you define excessive? Well, like missing – if I were to – so the only time I ever miss more than three days of work or more than one day of work, like a Friday, is if I'm doing a parish mission, right? So parish missions for me are Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. They're not allowed to be Wednesdays and Fridays and all that stuff. So I leave on Sunday morning and I do anywhere from 3 to 15 talks Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And I fly out typically at 6 a.m. on a Wednesday morning to come back home or late, late, late Tuesday night. Usually it's Wednesday
1: morning. That to me is borderline excessive. But like do you have that defined with your job? No. I think you should. Yeah. Because like that way – I mean listen. Like like, you're doing a crap ton and I I really respect you. I I respect the fact that you're doing that because you're doing it for – you know, two main reasons. Um, well, one, like you want to serve the kingdom of God, and two, to keep a roof over, over like, on your family's head, so that you know, um, Shannon can homeschool the kids, and so that you know, they have the life that like, you know, they have like a safe life. And I, like, I love that. I love that you are doing that. But I, I do think if you could just define a couple more things, yeah. it won't be as taxing on you or, or you know, like, on your family, because these these offers to speak aren't going to go away. Right. You're good. You're really good at what you do, and people, like, and, like, God has used you, and is going to continue to use you, and you have the talents. So I think if you just, I mean, like, and I only bring this up because when I started to do this stuff, it really, like, saved my life in a lot of ways. Like, it makes, um, because it's very easy to get overwhelmed with, like, all the different stuff that, you know, is going on, but... I have found that when I clearly define these boundaries and the people that it, that it impacts also understand that, you know, so like with work again, they know two months to like at least two days a month, I'm going to be gone for the podcast. And that's a lot, you know, that's 24 days a year. That's not, that's, you know, that is nothing to like uh, laugh at, but I'm also going to do my best to do stuff for the Glen Marians while I'm doing that as well. And it's brought a lot of freedom with that and just be able to say like, you know, and if I have, it, it like helps you, I think it will help you say no when you have to say no and be able to say yes um, when you can't say yes and, ye, and you'll see, oh, I actually have a lot more opportunities to like say, I mean, yes, these things aren't going to go away. Right. I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I'm 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 just um I just care about you.
0: Well, you know, here's this is the funny thing with me, okay? Um you you're right about the two things, right? It's the kingdom, it's what I feel like I honestly feel like it's all I have to offer. Does that sound weird? Does that does it like no, no. I feel like uh there are There are a 100,000 things that people can do for the kingdom, right? Claire Swinarski writes a book, uh, Girl Arise, and now half the women in my women's group, uh, Saint Anne Society, they're going to read that book, right? She's the feminist, Catholic feminist. Um, uh, We have all these people who are doing just amazing things, right, that are roughly my age, younger, a little bit older, whatever, and I feel like there's so many amazing things that's being produced and going on, and whether it's their ministry life or their personal life, they can fund a ministry thing. Like I love it. I'm not an artist. I can't design things. I I love all of this stuff. All I have is my song. Damn it. No, all I have is <laughs> the ability to give talks that are either a humorous, b convicting, or c somewhere in between. And. I feel like that's all I that's all I have to offer. Yeah, that's bullshit. And so today, right, so I wake up at five o'clock in the morning and I put together because I the the other thing about being overcommitted, I do need to undercommit. I, I agree with you. The other thing about being overcommitted is there's no like breathing room. So you're trying to squeeze every hour, but you're always yeah. running on fumes. So See, I, I don't know, think it's sorry. No, so I know Keep that going. when I was doing Exodus ninety, and I cut out the booze and the caffeine and the extra caffeine outside of coffee, you um, say that while I am pouring myself a little bit more wine. <laughs> well, I just had two glasses, so we're more like four. The way I pour it, um, old vines in. <laughs> no, but the the idea was like I wasn't drinking booze at night. I wasn't drinking Coke Zero, um, and I was getting a minimum of seven hours of sleep every single night. I, uh, was doing well. I was doing well on that reg. It gave me a regimen that I could taste and that I loved for those 90 days. And now that I'm completely off it, not completely off it, but now that I've stepped away from it and I've gone back to my Coke zero habits and all this stuff, I'm like, I don't feel good at all. But one of the things I realized was the Exodus 90 removed from me frivolous television watching. And while frivolous YouTube watching was a little harder not to do, um, it still cut down it a lot. So I had more margin in those 90 days. And now that that stuff has started to creep back, I'm like, oh, there goes my margin again. Now I'm having a glass of wine with my wife as we watch TV instead of as we have a conversation. And I start to realize like I'm cutting out my own margin with indulgence, whereas just, you know, three, four weeks ago, it made so much more sense to me like life was easy. I had more breathing room, even though I was doing more stuff. So today, right? I wake up at five. Um, I pray for 30 minutes in the morning while my wife is doing her fitness class. And then I go and write all these documents and then go out, dr- send it to father, David Hust drive down to St. Vincent de Paul, meet up with her AFF leader and all this stuff. Do my presentation, get my car, drive straight back I do a, uh an Ascension Press work phone call while I'm driving and then uh you know which is my fourth job right <laughs> and then I go into work and I work there until the bleeding last second drive home and then I realize I need to get gas because I was running on empty just to get to work and then now all of a sudden I'm almost missing dinner and then it's to get the kids to bed and it, it is like okay so now I'm just whining but there's an element where the indulgence part creeps in to suck out all the margin that I had. That was enough for me to survive the busyness. Now I realize these past three or four weeks, I've been, I've had less time to do the normal things that I've been doing. And so it's just, it's just, I
1: really didn't even realize that until I'm talking to you. Yeah, no, no, and that's, I mean, that's real. That is real life right there. Let's be honest. So there are, um, like we've got a buddy who has to travel to um, North Carolina almost, you know, every week for his his own job. We've got a buddy who is a doctor who is, you know, kind of I'm constantly on call doing stuff like. Yeah. These aren't problems that like are like unique to people who work right. in ministry. You know, they're you know like my uncle Wade. He used to travel like two to three weeks at a time, quite literally all over the world. Yeah. And just kind of was on. I mean, I would have to imagine that he was on like Wade's time as opposed to like like you know whatever time zone he was in. People find a way to make it work, and I think with people um, like you and me, who again you know, are just kind of like at our best when are like you know we, I mean I I think our like um, our unnatural state is the whack-a-mole where it's just like I can handle all this you know like <laughs> <laughs> um I have found that when I plan things out i I find that I have more time than I thought I did. It's just kind of – I'm trying to think of a really really good analogy, but it's not anything really coming to mind. Do you want
0: to hear something so embarrassing?
1: Yes. That
0: literally just happened. I got a text while we are talking from someone, and I just realized I double-booked an event. (laughs) Oh, no. While we are talking, I double-booked an event right before my wife's birthday. So now I have no – like literally while we're talking, you're talking to me and I pull out my phone. I'm like, what's this text message? Okay. So here's what
1: I want to propose. Screw tape proposes a toast. Go on. I think we need to hit a Patreon. We need to have a Patreon on the level. And if we hit that, we need to hire a PA – If you will, a personal assistant, assistant. (laughs) yeah, (laughs) to handle like your like booking stuff and the catching foxes stuff. And I think I and if you can come up, and I think it should be Sarah Rogers, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Oh no, I can't handle the drama. (laughs) I know. I I sent her a text message. I was like, "Did you bring up this guy?" She goes, "Oh no." I'm like, "Why does every social media text that you have almost look like you're going through a horrible breakup?" (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Everything's Ariana Grande, this or something. Um, some of like Jonas Brothers, that and it's just weird. Okay. Um, but the point is though, like to um, and if I I think if of like, I'm like you were to say, you know, I need I need to have two speaking gigs a month. One like I'm catching foxes. I'm a job a month. Here are the, uh, parameters, and you like have those filters. You've got a lot of opportunities coming in. You just need to have a person who can take the burden off you of having to say, this is here, this is there, that's there, that's on that's, uh, the that's, there. Yeah. You know, because it's like you're not approaching it with like the freshness that you need. You know what I'm not approaching it
0: with? I just, I hear about this all the time. Like the founders of companies are like the worst people to work for because they don't want to let anything go when it gets too big.
1: Yeah, and it's yeah. like
0: they want to do everything, and I realize like, am I that guy? Should we give up the editing of our podcast to someone? No, thank you for saying that. No, thank you no, for saying that. Absolutely
1: not. Absolutely not. No, and that's you I, want me to work an extra four hours. No, 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 <laughs> but that's where I, first of all, you get paid for that. Two, it's true, um, it's true. That's why I call it bullshit on the idea that you, that's you. You're really good at it. And I know some people uh, like what people so this is this is the weird thing about uh podcasts, and it really didn't um dawn on me till about three months ago when i heard the the um uh the fifth hundredth episode of the w t f podcast with mark Marin how like they record for like almost like two to three hours or something, and then now you hear one hour yeah. But like like what you don't understand is like their whole goals that you don't really realize how like how like edited that podcast actually is. And what they do is they try to find what's the conversational like what's a conversation that is like I'm a really going on. What's the fat that we can can, trim to keep this overall, you know, the like heart of the journey that's going on during this uh, during this conversation so it kind of like so it kind of like on a sounds random but what you're really experiencing is like an edited thread almost and i think you do that with the podcast like you create the experience that is catching foxes which honestly is why i think half the time we like, I have really learned since I heard that on podcast episode, I trust you completely. And I don't want to, tr- I don't trust anyone else with it. Cause I know you can take like, how many times do we, do we um, record a podcast and go, that's fucking sucked. <laughs> and then like you deal with mm-hmm. editing on magic and it's good. And like people, um like it and you know, uh, and, and they like respond to it well. So I think you're good at that and you like it. So why would you stop doing that? You know, it's funny. The only
0: reason why I would even consider stopping doing it is I can't give it the time it deserves. Like, I would love to take – I would love for me and you to spend three hours or four hours talking, and then I carve that down to an hour, hour and 20 minutes, hour and 30 minutes. Right? I would love to be able to do that mm-hmm. and just pull out the funniest choicest parts and just – Stitch them together with a couple ads and then boom, we're done. I would love to do that. But the problem with my cranium is often I can only give one night a week regardless of when that night is. Sometimes I can do two. Like if we record on a Monday and I have a little freedom in my calendar, I can do – if I do an hour on Tuesday just to set everything up, then we have the breathing room, right? Um, and I can, I can play with it a little bit more, but like the gun control episode that we're going to have coming or not the gun control, the, um, me and living you wage. whining endlessly about living wage. If that's bad, let's just,
1: let's just like put that on to uh, the Patreon page. I've, day.
0: I, I've, I've listened to it. Uh, I've listened to most of it and I'm like, gosh, I disagree with me so much. I disagree with me so much. <laughs> and I wasn't drinking a single thing. I was drinking water. I have no excuse. Um, you, on the other hand, were celebrating every ounce of
1: alcohol you were drinking. Yeah, I was so drunk by the end. <laughs> I was like, and where's God even real then? That's I mean, when you know that I've had too much to drink. Yep. Um,
0: no, but – the, and then the Kevin Heider episode about gun control, which, by the way, so funny. Immediately, everyone responds immediately. I know. <laughs> like, it's so funny. People are like, hey, man, I love the show. Can you have someone that's pro-gun on? I just reach out to him on Facebook. And, uh, like, nope. the, the funny thing is, like,
1: <laughs> it's not that. We're pro-gun. That's a weird
0: thing. Sorry. Yeah. sorry go, go ahead. That's
1: like, a... I like guns a lot. It's I, and, I hell. Thought,
0: and I thought that came across abundantly in the episode. But I got one person who's like, uh, I love you guys, but you're idiots. You are just totally dumb. And all you do is have people that. Support. It's funny that everyone becomes an absolutist when they disagree with one thing. All you ever do is have people. On, I didn't even know what Kevin Heider's view was. I thought he was like a radical libertarian. And then he's like, <laughs> yeah, man, gun control. And I was like, uh, okay. So, anywho, I've <laughs> well, done a lot yeah. more reading. For All of our listeners have sent us articles. And I've probably read, I don't know, maybe five of them.
1: I mean, I, I agree with all of them. I like them. I'm too busy I, going to see where people were shot to really um read articles. I'll be real honest. <laughs> I know that sounds harsh, but that's just where I am right now. Yeah. Um, it's true though. I I went there on Sunday. I spent time there. It was really difficult. Yeah. Anywho, I'm not saying that that trumps the. I'm just right. Sorry, that was kind of like a dick um comment. I apologize.
0: No, but um. What is what is what is I don't know I don't know Are we being too self
1: referential Luke? Do people Oh listen? yeah, totally. Here's the thing I think we should do. I do think we need to hire a Sarah Rogers. Ugh. Just to- <laughs> it's not her.
0: It's the combination of you and her.
1: What, is that? what does that mean? I'll tell
0: you what that means. Every time I talk to Sarah Rogers, she tells me that when you were her boss, you spent like an hour and a half looking at ex-girlfriends on that's Facebook. Not, that happened
1: one time. I know, but one she brings time it up. She every brings time. it up every time. She thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> we were t- it, it had to do with what we were talking about. And then we just went down a road and I realized, oh, wait a second. This girl wasn't as pretty as, as, as I thought. Huh, that's weird. What a lot of time wasted. <laughs> we just laughed and laughed. And <laughs> we held each other. Uh, and uh, she likes to say that when like her like she's so she's such a whiner. She always acts like um a, um a typical day in like in the office was when Michael came back from the Caribbean and he and he was playing a hot 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 on the little like uh, <laughs> drum thing and made Pam uh, Pam um listen. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: Anyways, he got his hair braided.
1: Hot hot hot. Okay. Um. No. Okay. So. The bottom line is I think if we uh, were to hit a certain level, I, I think you need to, one, to define with, like, all important parties, like, what are your boundaries? Yeah. Like, how many days a week do – like, how many hours a week do you really need to be at work and say, like, this is it? Yeah. And however you got to fit that. So if you're there, like, two days, but you're there for 20 hours each day, you know, that's kind of an extreme example. But <laughs> you need to be able to um, talk to Shane and say, like, how – you know, like – yeah. What works for us, and you'd be able to. So, like that way, you can tell them people, here's, uh, here's, and then you'll actually be able to know. Okay, to do this, I don't, I don't, I want this to like happen. But you know, you can honestly say, like, I'm Luke. I can't do the catching foxes on the shows. Like, either we've got to increase our price, or I can't do it. Or, holy crap, this is great. let we'll to keep doing this, and we'll do them on like these nights. I will never give. <laughs> I up know catching no, foxes no, no. live. No, no, but like I um, mean, you know what I mean, though. I will and burn so, like, lay evangelists to the ground. <laughs> they are so much fun. They are so much fun. We we are getting it down. Okay, that is <laughs> that's a little self a referential, but man, we had Saint Louis in the palm of our hand. I was like, feed baby birds, feed. <laughs> well, that was one point time. I put my hand up and said, "We've been catching foxes. Thank you." knocked <laughs> <And we're laughs> off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, um. And like you'll be able to honestly go, should I increase my rates by say five hundred dollars? Yeah, and that means I can, st- you know, you know, what I mean like like how like what do I really need to do here? And like I think you need um. So anyways, that is my point. Take it or leave it. I found the, I have found a lot of peace in my life. It's here's what I'll end with. I think this is a very I'm, this is um extreme, like Merlin Man esque because you have to define a problem before it can be solved. It has to get out of your head and be written down and be concrete and be real before you really know like what's the appropriate next action to take here. Yeah. Merlin man. Merlin freaking man. Oh, one day man. One day. One day. Do you think he think I'm pretty? I if that is that is a thing that if we could I would if we could do a thing where we had like a Patreon level where it's like once every like you know twice a year we're going to we're going to go to do a big interview but we'll do it in person so it's much more you know much more personal he would be one of those yeah totally. we 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 could like rent out a you know like a like one of those um, like a shared office spaces out in the Bay Area Ooh. and just say hey let's talk for um ninety minutes that would be awesome. All right, i've got some real stuff to, to talk about you want to talk about some real stuff yeah let's talk about some real stuff luke so it's been a very weird week um so you know we obviously had the shootings uh here that's just you know it's just it's a very tough thing all of the little personal connections start to come out you know um the shooter went to my own rival high school he went to a grade school where um like my godfather taught um one of one of uh, uh, one person at 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 aaron's work held his dad while his dad died in his arms um wow yeah it's just like like you know and i, I just i've started to kind of I'm realize that you know like i'm mean, given the amount of people who were who were killed um and how small a Dayton actually is probably probably everyone's going to be tied to this in like some way the the, the you know everyone's going to at least like, like um know a person who has a direct tie to all of this yeah or the or or um they themselves will so that's been really really heavy and then I mean to the point where I forgot that today was that was is the um 11th anniversary of my dad's death oh wow is that crazy I didn't realize years. that. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So, it's just been very uh um I don't know how to really deal with that. I mean, I don't I don't mean that in a bad way as in like, oh my gosh, this is hard. It's just it's like I'm one of those things that um sometimes you I'll make it a big deal in a good way, you know, we've gone out, we've gone out to dinner. I always I always call my mom. I always I'm talking to my sisters. Uh although we really haven't talked today, like we have I'm texted and stuff, but Yeah, it's just you know, like it's kind of funny. Like this has been the year, you know, and then we have all these issues with our dog, and she is. I'm getting better, thank God, but you know, it's still just it's a lot of work, and this has been the year of um, So I pick maturity for this year. Yeah, and it's funny how often that feels like you're barely hanging on. Yeah. And I think with me it's been it's been less of a time constraint, although that 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 has been there. It has been more of a just there's just a lot of heavy things going on right now. Yeah, totally. You know, uh, I just had I just had a, like a good friend. Um, you know, her uh, her, um, her brother died. I believe he was like 24. It's awful.
0: Ugh.
1: And just you know um, things that are just like oh like my heart just break like, like my heart is. My heart is un- un- breaking for a lot of people right now, yeah. and that's weird. So, you know, like last week um, – I'm almost into the podcast. Did you put the stuff in that was going on in the archdiocese? No. I cut that whole part out. Okay. So there's been some crazy stuff going on in the archdiocese here, a priest that you, I was – The reason
0: why is it was about seven minutes long at the very end of our conversation when all of us were just kind of worn out. It probably It's just like sad. Well, there were twice – where you said, okay, and don't put this part in the show, and don't put this part in the show, and I was like, eh, by the time I edit that out, it's like a four-minute thing. Yeah, I yeah. think you deserve to have a much longer thing, so what's going okay.
1: on? Okay, so I went to Mass at St. At Ignatius here in the Archdiocese two weeks ago. Sorry, um, three weeks ago. And because the mass I was going to, they decided to cancel. They're like uh, the I'm a rad Trad Church that I go to, everyone. So don't worry, I I have my rad Trad side. They canceled their evening mass, and so I went to this other parish, and they said that their parish priest, who I'm in acquaintance with, uh, is going on an admin leave, and I know what that means. And I was like, okay, this isn't that like this isn't good. like this is not there is a reason why 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 um this is happening started to text like buddy mine saying hey like i need to know like asking him um what he's heard he hasn't heard anything yet and so and and and, like i and then i knew it was bad because they told the parish that the chancellor of the of the archdiocese was going to come and have like a prayer like vigil tomorrow and to kind of explain to everyone um what was going on that was when i was like holy shit this is not good because they don't – if a priest is going on, admis, if, if he's taking – like, I'm going to leave of absence because he's just overworked, they'll just say he's on sabbatical you know, yeah. or just – like, they don't bring in a chancellor. And our chancellor, um, good guy, has done some pretty cool stuff, especially unlike Japan, I believe, like has really been persecuted for the faith. But I – it's just not the he's not he's like he's kind of like a lawyer. He's not the warmest guy in the world, and I thought this isn't going to go well. <laughs> and so he went there. He didn't give any answers to you know anyone, and it didn't really go well. People started to say they heard there were some inappropriate text messaging going on between this this priest and like young boys, boys in high school, boys like boys like junior high. I, I'm I'm not sure of of the exact age. And so, but it, like as far as I could tell, it was a lot of. Um, he said um. He said, she said kind of kind of stuff. And then um, on Monday, I am out in Indianapolis for this whole like uh, for this whole professional development course. And I get a text on the CNA article saying that one, our auxiliary bishop, uh, Joseph Binzer, heard about allegations against this priest, didn't bother to tell the archbishop. And, and he like assigned him to this other like um, parish. So this was at, at his like, you know, old parish. So it turns out, and this is all in that article in 2013, there were these allegations that involved inappropriate text messages, um, putting hands on boys, like not any sort of specific groping, but really creepy stuff. And just a very like, whoa, not cool. Stop that right now. That is very, very weird, but not like specific. abuse. I mean, I would call it abuse, but not like he wasn't uh, molesting anyone by the letter of the law. Went to the Butler County uh, police officers. They said that he's he's not guilty of you know any crime. So then apparently this is what was in the um, like article. The auxiliary bishop, who I say I know fairly well and consider him a friend, who I love dearly, said, "Okay, like he went and got help. Don't like like basically like don't do this again." So they moved him. Back in 2018, I believe, Uh, then the thing happened again, and that's why he left. And now he's on administrative. Like now he's not allowed to do ministry in the archdiocese anymore. He's gone, and so it's just it's, you know, it's heartbreaking because this guy. I'm finding this all out on Monday while I'm on like on a break (laughs) during this thing and it's like not only does this priest that you know I respect and like like this stuff that these like you know allegations against him they said they get these are true it sounds like the auxiliary bishop who if he you know has a fault it would be that you know he almost um presumes the good too much you know and i mean i i i love bishop Umbinzer. i genuinely love he any event that we're at, he's talking to the security guards. He's talking to like the people that, you know, people don't pay attention to. He's talking to them. Yeah. He goes out of his way to go. To, it's like he'll leave the nine to go after the, the one. But there, it just it didn't like I hate to say it was a problem. I was like, oh, I'm not surprised that this happened. Like I was even I'm worried about that. And it just was really heartbreaking. And you then, were
0: worried that he would be too nice to some yes, case that would come across.
1: That was my concern that a thing had happened at Saint, at like you know, like uh, over at this other um, parish, and that um, Bishop Benzer, who was in charge of priestly personnel, which he's not anymore, was going to go. Oh, it probably wasn't that bad. He's fine now. Let's put him here. And now a thing happened again. Mm. That was my fear, and it was confirmed to be true by by the c n a article i mean by the by by what was reported in that article and I need to be careful here because everyone involved are people that I love you know like it's it's really difficult because I love bishop benzer it was so it was it was in a weird way I was both odd and proud of the Communications a director of the archdiocese. Um, he became like a mentor of mine a bit, I would even say. And just someone that I really I just really love Mike Schaefer a lot. I have a lot of respect for him. He's someone who's been through a hell of a lot. Like what he suffers for the church and like just the love he has for the church is uh quite inspirational. He, he's honestly kind of like a personal hero of mine. I just think Mike Schaefer is the absolute best. And but to see a person that like you really care about him and um He's were two person who I also also really like um, have to do like a 30 minute press conference where they're getting hammered, not like hammering it. But, you know, I mean, they, they they had to say, like, we screwed up because basically what happened to this priest? had they have the policies they had in right now. The priest would have been had a third party investigation back in 2013, and he probably would have been like, you know, kicked out at best you know, or at worst, kicked okay, out. At a best, like you know, kind of like you know, having to go to counseling and then pr- like probably like re-assigned to stuff where he's not dealing with anyone. You know, filing paper. So of course, um, Mike's getting hammered during during this pr- like you know press conference, and he wasn't around when any of this stuff happened. He's only been there since Mike started 2016, I think. And this is also that, you know, happened years before he got there, but he's a communications director. So he has to answer for all this stuff. And I thought he did an excellent job of that, but it was still just, it's like, I was, I was both in awe and like hurting for him. And then (laughs) it gets even worse, a priest who worked two doors down from me was now put on admin is, was it not put on admin leave? I don't know why I do know. in uh, I don't know if I should bring this up, but he, you know, he had some scandalous stuff happened in the mid two thousands. That's that is, I mean, it's like a matter of, it's a matter of like public record. So, um, it's not a, it's not, I, it's not like a, you know, um, I could share it cause it's out there. I still don't know why. I, I don't know why he was put on like, oh, he was put on admin leave, but I found that out as well. And then what else? This is all in like one day, mm. and so and it just you know. And then like I start to think about, uh, okay, this I have to be careful about. Um, don't you know, make, like don't make me edit. Okay, so let me just you know, yeah, I'll, I'm gonna wait because I'm, I'm talking to the archdiocese about this stuff, so I, I just want to hold off on that. So it um. It just sucks. You know, it sucks when like the first bishop to, you know, I believe one of the things in the Catholic like news agency article was that was like Bishop Bender is going to be one of the first people to go through the thing for like bishops that they created. Yeah. Um, and I love him. He I mean, he is the kindest man in the world. Like. I don't know if he's listening or not, but I, I know he loved the fact that like I did this podcast every time he walked on by my office, he would always like stop by and say, hi, he'd always have like a joke or just, just like, you know, I'm, I, I, I can remember at this one point in time, me and, um, our buddy, like Peter Zelasco and Aaron and Peter's wife, we were over at, um, where Um am lives. And it's like this church. And, um, Peter was like, I'm knocking on the door because he wanted to see inside. I was like, hey, I don't know if we can get inside or not. And like, um, Binzer come, like comes out. Couldn't have been nicer. Talked to us for like 20 to 30 minutes. This is part of the collateral damage of this is that when someone screws up like this, bad stuff is going to happen. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that like this happened to him. But it also was his fault. Yeah. If this article is true. So, sorry, I've been blabbing a lot. So I've
0: essentially the article about. is saying – he got word of this. He was reported to him, and he didn't pass it up to the archbishop.
1: Now the archbishop. So that article says that the archbishop, like, almost went like nuclear. Which let me just a, let me just tell you that um, I love Archbishop like a ton. He's the most stoic man I have ever met. <laughs> Hands down, bar none. So when I read that part, I was like, "Holy shit!" I would pay hundreds of dollars to see what that is like. (laughs) It's like when I made Doctor
0: Alan Shrek yell at me. (laughs) Wait, you made Doctor
1: Alan Shrek? Yeah. People are like,
0: I have never heard Doctor Shrek raise his voice, let alone yell at you. Why did he yell at you? I may have insinuated that the Council Fathers at Vatican II were more optimistic than had common sense. (laughs) because you know i know everything because i was 25 years old
1: oh Um, this is when you're at school
0: yeah the the whole thing i wasn't saying that i was just saying like it is a common thing that people say that you know you got the gaudium et spes people who are like oh the world you got the pope francis's of the world they're like oh everything in the church is awful but the world is amazing and then i made a comment and he was like (laughs) And someone said, and I and I immediately backed down. I was like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. And then this guy in the room was like, dude, that was so funny. when We started yelling at you, and you backpedaled like like you were scared of him. And I was like, who the hell are you? Shut up! <laughs> like I was so
1: scared. Everyone was scared. <laughs> that's how I felt when the first time that father John Ignatius, when he was still air little, when he when he screamed at me. Yeah. I've never. He's like what, like five foot five, maybe a hundred and like hundred and hundred like fifty pounds. Just I have never felt smaller in my life when he yelled at me during spiritual direction. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was like, "Whoa, I'm a terrible person. I feel like one of those um, one of those like things that you pour like let you uh, pour a um, salt on and I just like them um, and he, it shrivels and dies like a slug. Yeah, that's how I felt. But like on the inside.
0: <laughs> but, you know, with my heart. So what do you? So you're talking with the diocese, and you're dealing with all this stuff. Is that the goal?
1: I mean, I, I, there. Uh, I I these are my friends, so of course I'm. I am. I'm talking with them about it and what thoughts I have to say. And and I worked there during the you know the in between times, so I'm going to leave it at that, mm-hmm. just to respect whatever they have going on. So, um. But yeah, I am. You know, I'm. I know everyone they're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> they're like I have worked with them. I have. Talk with them. There are people that uh, I'm close enough with, like Uncle Mike Schaefer, that it, if like we had a kid, I would invite him to the baptism. Yeah. Or I would want Bishop Binzer to like baptize our kid. Mm-hmm. Like, like these are people that like really uh, that really uh, like mean a lot to me in my life and in my career and in uh, my marriage. I mean, uh, Mike bought me the best bottle of Berber that I've ever had in my life. That's not true. I really love the Pappy on that wrinkle. But like, you know, that, that, uh, at least that I got for my birthday when he, when when he brought it to my birthday party, he's like, these are my friends. These are people that I love. Yeah. And it's just, it's tough. It's tough, man. It's really tough. And, um, like this all happens 30 hours after the shootings. (laughs) So like, I'm dealing with that and just, you know, the emotional anger I have about like I was, you know, I was to be honest, I was very mad at Binzer. I was really upset with him. Yeah. Because he's supposed to be one of the good ones.
0: I, you know, let me let me say this. Let me throw this out at you. It is easy for everyone to armchair quarterback. You know? Back, <laughs> We're getting
1: paid to do that weekly. Yeah. Uh to
0: backseat drive. That is easy to do. Um, but we don't know what well, like we don't know what's going through these people's minds. That's why we create procedures policies and processes that's why we create narratives too because we're trying to make sense of like what's actually going on in the absence of data people create a story um and so the whole idea of knowing today how one should have acted a year ago or five years ago or but of course you know like i can think of a number of people who would have been like I never had a malicious intent. I was trying to do the right thing by the parties involved, especially in the church where we're like the home of second and third and fifth chances, you know? Yeah. But the problem is that 70 times seven. Right. But the problem is that becomes permission to be passive on behalf of leadership. So for instance, um, there was this uh, issue that came up with a, a, a business person and he was telling me all these things that – all this accommodation that he did with a property he owned and a homeless pers- homeless family that was living on his property illegally, right? So it's a family, a mom, a dad, and I think two kids, maybe one kid. And he owned – so this guy owns multiple properties. He took over this one place, and they were living there. And so he, like, slowed down all of his plans by, like, months so that they could live there and find work and move out on their own accord without being rushed. And and then when they don't at the end of like the, he gives them like an extra three months. They were illegally on a property. You can't do that. I don't care how just and noble you are. You can't let ho- homeless people take up residence in a place where not really homeless, but like a family just live in a building that is not safe for them and you're liable. Right. But what he did was he created this scenario where essentially All of his work and turning a profit and all that stuff, he just put it on hold for about three months. And at the end of the three months, magically, dad still didn't have a job. Mm -hmm. So then he moves them to an apartment or a hotel that he owns and puts them up. I mean, this is all at his own expense for months. And he does all this and he gets the guy a job. The guy shows up once and then doesn't stay. Gets the teenage girl a job. She doesn't go he is bending over backwards to this family and it's in a different part of the state. And then he looks at me and he goes, what do you think I should have done? He said, so then finally I ended up kicking them out of the hotel. And he goes, what do you think I should have done? And I said, I would have let them stay for another month in the, you know, the, the, the first residence place, that commercial residence place. I said, I would have let them stay there for like a month and then kick them out. And he's like, what? But I was trying to be merciful. And, good. and I was like, no, no, you went, that was pure charity. That was awesome. I said, but they aren't doing anything to help themselves in this regard. It's not, no, there was no injury. There was no alcohol or drug abuse. And so there was this point where you're like, he's trying to do all the right things. Now, this guy, it was all at his own expense. Now, you take that and you put that onto the parish where people are, you want to serve everyone the alleged, the accused, everyone. But there comes a time when you realize that. You're bending over backwards or you're just being passive and not facing the issue. And when you don't face the issue head on, you are potentially saying, I'm okay with other people getting hurt. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's easy to look back because we all know hindsight's 2020 and say, he should have done these five things, but maybe he, the information he had at the time wasn't perfect But it should have been sufficient, and he made the wrong call. But now in our climate, he's done. Like, he made the wrong call to such a point that it negates every other competency in his life. You know what I mean? Like, he's now a bishop. You can't undo the bishopric. Yeah. So he's going to be a a forced out-of-office bishop for the rest of his life now, probably. And the whole time he's like, I, I didn't realize. I, I thought this guy was joking. And he, you know, we don't, we don't know. I don't know anything about this case. I read the first two paragraphs, and then I scrolled how long that article was, and I was like,
1: eh, Luke will tell me.
0: <laughs>
1: Good Lord. TLDR. Yeah. Seriously. Oh, you're such a millennial. Well, I can't read these five paragraphs. Oh, an essay? No, thank you. <laughs> uh, I believe. <laughs> Simplify, man. Um, Be concise it takes a lot of work, work to make a thing simple. Um, <laughs> Arch, I, I will say Archbishop, uh, did say that he did not quote unquote go nuclear. So,
0: but
1: I but I know I would have loved to have said it though. Ooh. Sucks. Uh, so yeah. <sighs> so like that was, so you uh, heard about the shootings that happened like Sunday, found out about this on Monday. We recorded that night, did my best to go through the rest of the week, and I'm trying to grapple with reality and the fact that my father's been dead for 11 years. Mazel tov. Well, you got me. Still got true. me. It's true. You know what I really love? I love that June Yeager came out for my dad's funeral. Well, his uh, memorial mass. That was very cool. That meant a lot to me. Yeah. yeah.
0: I love that we did that, and Yeager didn't like Sarah Nicole at the time. <laughs> and he still went.
1: That's how much he loves I like you. her, but I'll go. <laughs> well, I just I, – the, the amount of people who went to that, like it was yeah. just – I remember being very shocked and very – it was just very cool. Like I'm uh, – so I, I remember uh, talking to um, now Christy Ruth, then Christy Pine, and um, we're friends. We were we were um, friends in college, and she told me she almost – she had to work like that a night. She said she almost drove like from work to my dad's thing that morning. Oh wow. but just couldn't swing. And I was like, someone would do that,
0: yeah,
1: you know. And just like all like all of our friends who are like, I really want to be able to go, but I can't, you know. Brian, I'm was like going to Ireland like the next day, or or like that day or something like you know. Just all but like er- like er- like, er- like everyone had said like I really want to try to make it, but I can't, you know. And I was just like, that's fine. I wasn't expecting that many people to like. You know, see if they could come, and it was just real and like and like um of those that did it was very cool, like my actual girlfriend was there, parents of my friends from from high school were there, it was really cool, and it was
0: beautiful and it was fun it which was I, which I think he would have loved,
1: yeah, it was it was. Re- it was really like we had a we had a little party downstairs out, i mean a party we had like we had like a lunch thing afterwards, and it was uh, it was very like, and I, it was a. I forgot how well my mom can work a room when she wants to or has to. <laughs> like she worked the hell out of that room, and I was like, "Holy crap, mom!" <laughs> like good. Like she was just talking to everyone. She just went, I mean, she it was it was really cool. It was really cool. Yeah. So.
0: So let me let me ask you this line that I just listened to from a leadership textbook, where you said. Um, something along the lines of I'm facing the sober reality uh that fifteen minutes after my funeral, the most common question that's gonna be asked is where is the potato salad? <laughs> and it's funny because I think about that because like at our church, our we have this wonderful funeral society that like it's a group of women that will make a ton of food and bring it over at like the drop of a hat for these funerals. It's amazing, yeah, and it's it's awesome. I mean, the fact that our big church has something like that, and they're just not like a line item budget for just like buying stuff, you know. But it's actually people who care, and and they all they get all dressed up and they come and they serve it and they portion it out and stuff, and it's all like grandma food, you know what I mean? Like it's all like marshmallows on top of green beans, and it's it, and it makes you feel like home, right? But after the funeral, when the family leaves an email goes out that says leftover funeral food, come and get it. Right. Cause these women don't want to take this stuff home. Yeah. 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 And it's so funny because like here is this funeral with people wearing black and all this, and then comes all these church workers at the end and we're all like, so Hell hungry. No. Yeah. And, Cause it's usually Did like it bring
1: lunch today. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Knew there was a funeral. Did it bring lunch today? Lunch today. No, and uh and, and you sit there and you're getting food and, and the women are like, Oh take it, please take this, take this, scoop this up and then you're there and then you just freeze because you see the family. And you're like, Oh god, oh god, is this disrespectful?
1: I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm trying to help a brother out, but oh no. <laughs> they can't take this home. Look at her, she's seventy. <laughs> she can't take this marshmallow jello home with her. She'll <laughs> die if she eats all of this. You don't want her to die, it's expensive. She's a diabetic. <laughs> She's got a friend named Rhoda. They don't have time to do this. They've got bridge to play. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. Um, you know what's a. You want to know the, one of the so when that happened, I was twenty five. Yeah. Um, according to to psychologists of the time, I was and I, because I was an American male. I had not really reached adulthood um, psychologically yet. That happened at 26, huh. and <laughs> so I, this is going to sound weird, but I remember being at that, and it was finally the first time in like in my life where I could call my parents and my friends by th- their first name, and it didn't yeah. like weird me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it felt like the right. it Just like ev- every it was um, one of those um, moments in like. It, it, in life where all your pretenses and all your hesitations, and all of your anxieties just go away. Yeah. Cause all I cared about was the fact that like, I wanted to be there for, um, my mom. And I wanted to be with my family. I wanted to be with my godparents and I wanted to be with, um, like all my best friends. And that was it. That was it. You know? I and, know. and that's who, you know, and now I had like a lot of friends who, couldn't make it, but I just, I just wanted to be with who was there. I didn't care about, you know. I don't know. It was, it was just weird. It was it was kind of like it was. It sounds awful, but in a weird way, very freeing because I felt like I was just dwelling in reality in a really profound way. Yeah. So speaking of dwelling in reality, can we keep going for the like ten minutes or so? Yeah. Why not? We're young. I, <laughs> you know, we're young according to to us to uh, some. I want to be sensitive about this, but I want to bring up a thing that we both were able to see. John Wick 3. Oh my gosh, right? The book in the guy's neck.
0: <laughs> hey, do you know what's funny? Bishop Barron loved both John Wick 3 and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is so good. So freaking good. Can is there ultraviolence at the end?
1: Yes. Ugh. Is it something that i 'll want to throw up at i 'm not going to say anything about it okay you need to see it though it, okay here's here 's why and then I want to go to this next thing because it 's pretty big and I think it's pretty good and we if you want to wait on this next thing it 's fine no that 's okay um why, so I love tarant i I agree Tarantino can be too violent. I agree that tarantino 's on the use of of the end word can be a bit much however, Tarantino is the best writer in Hollywood what his scripts are phenomenal and he is so good at like tension building and creating these, these interesting stories, what he's not always good at. I mean, he's good. What he's not. So I'm sorry. He's great at those two things. Tension building. The first I'm seeing of in glorious bastards, is maybe one of the most tense-filled uh like like stuff to ever happen on film. It's yeah, with Shoshana incredible. under the floorboards and yeah. It is yeah. if you haven't seen that, go and watch stop, go watch that right now. It is unbelievable I mean, one of the best i um, the scenes in film in like film history, I would I, I would argue. Um and like his dialogue, like Royale with cheese, he just gives these credible in-depth um, like stuff. Let these act. Let these like actors just act and just go, and it's awesome. And he does have this world building stuff, and it's there, but it's not like overwhelmingly engulfing or incredible. It's just Tarantino esque with with like Once Upon a Time. His world building is incredible you just feel engulfed in hollywood in, in 1969 but it, of course it's tarantino's i'm a version of that but it doesn't really feel like it's tarantino's i'm a version of that but you also I'm know that it's tarantino's i'm a version of that but it's so cool you don't want to leave it and it feels so real you can almost i'm gonna touch it and it's just so good and it's not i wouldn't even argue it's like his best i'm a, his like best film but I think it's how do I put this? Anyone can it his most. It's his most accessible film. I think anyone like I would recommend that my mom. And, and in fact, when I I'm a talked uh, when I uh, talked with my mom, that I actually I'm told her to go and watch this movie. It's his best accessible film. It is so so good. I it hope looks the most picture. normal
0: of all of his movies that I know of.
1: That is probably
0: Reservoir Dogs, but you
1: know what you're getting with Reservoir Dogs, right? I mean, like, but, but, like, the first line of that kind of screws that all up. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's like, I'm I'm not going to say it, but it's him dissecting the, like, lyrics to, like, a virgin. Oh, okay. I can't remember. No, but it's, yeah, I would say it's, by far, it's beautiful, it's so intentional, it is, go and see this movie. It is so damn good have you seen all of his movies uh i have not seen jackie brown which is a crime i know and i haven't seen uh his part of death proof or or the hateful eight i haven't seen the hateful eight yet which i hear is his worst i see but i've heard some people say it's their favorite but like but also like his like his um his worst film almost beats any other film Hmm. So. I just. I
0: haven't watched his thing, his whole thing, and I just. It's hard for me to get into it. Why? Because it's. Because he's so weird. Because it's quirky. Oh, yeah, he's <laughs> weird as hell. No, because the show itself, the movie itself is quirky. Like <laughs> everything. The, Which movie? Like, like uh, Kill Bill.
1: Yeah, but do you remember how good the first Kill Bill was? Yes. I mean, but it was still that. weird. Yeah, but it was what. But that's what makes it fun. Like, he's got. I mean, the guy has a. He has a specific font for his beginning and end credits. Yeah, like okay. he's quirky as hell. Yeah, no, he's a junior high dropout who's like seems like he's on coke all the time and kind of has a foot fetish. He's weird, <laughs> but he is so good at movie making. So good.
0: See, sometimes I feel like he's one of those people. Now, don't get offended. I'm not. I don't mean this about you. No, but no. no. You're, He's one of those people that everyone tells you, "Wow, he's a visionary. He's so good." And you're like, "I mean, I guess." Or and then everyone just thinks he's so good because that's the end thing to say if you're really into. Oh, Kubrick! Every oh you oh yeah, oh you yeah, like no. Lord of the Rings? Well, go screw yourself. That's a movie for people who don't love movies.
1: Yeah, no, that that's not true. Truly, Kubrick. Kubrick
0: is your yeah. guy. That's what the guy from Daring Fireball says. Um, my whole thing is. I maybe I am too much of a Philistine to be able to enjoy or even understand. Like, I'm watching his movies and I was like, oh, look, it's Buck and he likes the F. And now she's <laughs> biting his lip off. And like, everything about that character is horrible. Yep. Is weird. Yep. And it's the whole movie is like that. And yeah. so, I, it's, yeah. I, there are elements of his style that take me out from the movie. Like oh here's this horrible woman that had or here's this woman who was had everyone murdered on her wedding day and now she's out for revenge. She sure did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, enough of me with that. But I heard, no, I've heard no, no, no. I heard good things about this movie, he, and it's the one outside of um, Inglorious Bastards that I'm most intrigued to watch. I've never seen Pulp Fiction.
1: Oh, so okay. Here's the thing about Taron about Taron. Tino. He's a bit like, like he himself, just like in his, like he, he's only made um nine movies according to him. He's only made um oh, nine movies. He he considers Kill Bill to be like um one and two to be one whole film. Um, I don't agree with that. I fucking like but, anywho, um, he himself is like the album Pet Sounds, where you kind of had to be there when it first came out to understand how much of a revolution he was to film but by the time we come of age he's the norm not his style but him as a thing and i would argue his like the way that he did stuff a bit very much defined it is the 90s movie i think pulp uh pulp fiction and it you know it it just it's i would agree with that totally it's all over the 90s it's just you know and so it's kind of hard for us to, you know to say like we don't understand how much of like a unique thing he is. I didn't really I always like we had, we had the Reservoir Dogs poster in college in our house cuz I was it in our house or in our room cuz I always I always unlike that movie. Yeah. But I never really became a fan of his style. I liked Kill Bill, didn't like Kill Bill, I of Volume 2 until I saw In glorious bastards. And when I saw that, I remember being like, "Holy shit, this is special." And I feel like he kicked it up a notch there. I think that might be his masterpiece. Um, which even says at the end of the film, he says, "This like Brad Brad Pitt's character goes, you know what? This might be my masterpiece." And when I look back on it, I actually think it's I think it's probably his best work. Okay. Um, I think Once Upon a Time might be number two. Maybe I'm num- number. Maybe I'm number. He's made so, if he's made um nine films, I would put Inglorious Bastards as oh like number one. I probably have Once Upon a Time as um uh, number two. I'm uh, sorry, as um uh, number three, and then probably Reservoir Dogs is two only. Be, but you could interchange that with uh, Pulp Fiction. But this is but but anyways um but I would say that uh, that. Once upon a time is most like is a most like Jackie Brown, which I have which which I have not watched, but I've heard is awesome and very accessible as well. Okay, so I feel like he's kind of on this new. I would I feel like he's in this kind of like, um, this is this might be the end of it. I don't know of you know a um, a overall like renaissance in his career where he's just putting out this really cool interesting stuff and he's. In my opinion, in like this film, "Once Upon a Time" in in Hollywood is him at his absolute best. In in a way that is accessible, so it's it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of like I'm Sgt. Pepper. Some people might say that the White Album is like a better album, but this is a more almost unique and good that everyone can get can get into. Okay, okay. I, I would go and see it. I would go and take on Shannon. Though she doesn't like violence, does she? Well, she loves Game of Thrones. Okay, well, she's fine.
0: Uh-huh. She made me pause and rewind and watch again where the mountain crushed that good dude's head. It was so awesome. I'm just, I kidding. Ne- I'm just kidding. My <laughs> wife did not do that. <laughs>
1: That honestly was a problem. I said again, Gormley. (laughs) Gormley, back it up. I'm going to crack this. I'm going to shotgun this bud. I'm going to watch some – I'm going to watch Dale to take a quick left, and we're going to watch this.
0: (laughs) Watch a mountain crush a man's skull. That's awesome. You couldn't do that, but I could do that to you with my thighs. Anywho. (laughs) So what what was the thing that you wanted to
1: bring up and talk about? So um, we had a thing sent to us that was very – Like kind of awesome about um lust, how lust um it's from the oh yeah uh, yeah 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 I think this is really and so like this could be like a whole so if you'd rather wait that is fine with me. Oh man. This is pretty, but I think this is really good. So we should talk about we it on the next we week. Wait. wait, okay, because it's good. Okay. Yeah, R- yeah we will all wait on that. But I, I do want that. I, that's been on my mind a crap ton. I'm like, this is good. This is real good. It
0: was, it was shockingly good. Okay. Yeah, let's wait.
1: Yeah. One last thing, and then I'm sorry. I feel like there's been a lot of me on the back end. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, one, I love you. Oh, I love you too, buddy. Two, um, I have a newsletter. I loved your newsletter. Are you going to do that every week? I'm going to do my absolute best. I really, really like it. It's a unique kind of I'm writing. One person, Michelle, says it's a blog. Sure. But uh, I really like it. Yeah. No, I loved it. So if you want to subscribe to that, it's on my Twitter account, uh, which is at the Luke, the or at the Luke, the, if you will. So yeah, it's it's fun. It's really really fun. It's kind of a different. It's a different. I'm way to write, and I really enjoy it. So. And it's
0: like you use spell check and everything.
1: <laughs> I even <laughs> wait 24 hours before I send it.
0: <laughs> Someone's all
1: grown up now. No, I just I fucking hate checking for spelling and grammar. So I just send it. I'm like who gives a shit? You know what I'm trying to say? At Twitter. <laughs> no one cares.
0: Turns out everyone
1: cares. Turns out Aunt D really cares and will judge you for it. Yep, me too.
0: I just it's can't fair. believe they don't have an edit button for Twitter. It still me. It would me. be
1: really. Not, I mean, but here's the thing: people could like, yeah, but tweet just like out, Facebook, you have the edit history. But like a kid, but like let's just to say, oh, Kid Rock could say a horrible thing about Taylor Swift. He could then go back and be like, I didn't say that, or like yeah. you know, yeah, uh, but it would just it. I'm have, sorry. yeah, well, yeah. You know, well, you want someone to change
0: it, uh, uh, because the edited history is still there. Right? The the versions. Now it becomes a versioning thing. That's true. That's true. That's what Facebook does. If someone edits their post, you'll say edit it and you can click it and see all the different versions.
1: We, uh, I really like calling everyone who, so we called everyone, all of our new patrons from the month of July. Um, so if anyone who gives in August as well, um. Uh, just everyone who gives in August, I'm gonna I'm going to call you and say hi and thank you. Cause that was fun. That's awesome, so, man. I'm gonna going to do that. Uh, we do have some live shows coming up. I need to talk with you about when those dates can so we can hammer those out. But um And we we're interviewing have, someone fancy. I know. We're gonna interview uh, Jeff the girl from Five Iron Frenzy. I'm thrilled about this. Jeff. She's the girl? wonderful. Oh, uh, her name is like Lenore. But she used to go by Jeff the Girl back in the 90s.
0: <laughs> oh, the 90s. They were crazy. Yeah. All was, Pulp Fiction-y.
1: And S- Pulp Fiction and Ska. So 90s. But no, I'm thrilled. <laughs> we're going ha- to have the saxophone uh, player from one of the best bands ever on our p- podcast. And she's a delightful interview. I've heard her on tons of other um, podcasts and different articles. I'm, th- I'm thrilled to have her on. She seems very excited. So we're going to interview her at the end of the month. Should be fun. Uh, I'm talking with people about doing um, about doing different um, live shows out in different parts of the country. That should be cool once that is set in stone. We might have room for one more month for the end of the calendar year, possibly. So what else? Anything else that we, we have to announce?
0: I got nothing, man. I got nothing. I have uh, a new iHome wall plug that lets me turn my lights off with my Siri. CD- Hell yeah. There
1: you go, so my that, boy.
0: That's about it. And my leg fell
1: asleep while we were talking. I drank a whole bottle of wine tonight. So proud of you. Thank you. Hey, I love you. I hope I wasn't too harsh earlier. I was just trying to be a friend.
0: We don't even talk, talk
1: anymore. Any hey, okay, hey, really, re- really quick, and then we're gonna be done. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so excited to talk to you. It's been a week. I missed you. Um, as I can tell, when your life is like overwhelmed, because I don't, because I don't, I don't. I'm gonna hear from you, and I get sad. Um, <laughs> Uh, blah, 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 blah. Do you know, who I'm, you know who I wish I brought up when we talked about the 90s? What's that? John Cicada. Do you remember him? Vaguely. What? I'd want to stay just another day without you. Just another day. Oh, oh. Yeah. Just another day. Oh, another day. Wonderful. I love me some John Uh,
0: Cicada. uh John Cicada, I say nada. You get it? Yeah. What if everyone's like, "Oh, this is terrible." Well, then they can connect that to the other hundred episodes that people have said <laughs> that comment about.
1: It's funny how many people have responded to our our like a control thing, and they're like, uh, "Whole thing is like, I'm a good person. I like guns." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not saying if you like guns, you're a bad person.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. just
1: saying. It, perhaps it's the thing we should talk about. Is there a way? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Probably like, not. Thank you." Well, I think that's the, the whole problem is that when we have these conversations about it, it's like we like, we like vilify anyone who could be on the other side. Yeah. I'm and sure. so like people who own guns feel like they're being called, uh, called, um, called um, monsters. And the way that a lot of people, um, uh, the way a lot of people, probably even um, me, a lot of the way they like, I'm gonna put the conversation like, of course, like, of course, they feel that way. Yeah. Like you are vilifying them. Anyways. Okay. I'm just blabbing
0: alrighty hey everyone peace out suckers
1: thank you patreon.com slash cf i will call you who knows when who knows where it will want to have my on my phone number because people get weird
0: <laughs> thank you five four three
1: three two one kick it